This is former TNA World Champion Raven, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And don't cross the line. Or do cross the line. I'm not really sure if you're supposed to, you're not supposed to. I don't know. Whatever. You get it. TNA Wrestling. Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 105 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Galling Jr. And with me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are coming out of the second anniversary show. And guess what? We don't know who the NWA world champion is, but maybe we'll find out tonight. Is it Jeff Jarrett? Is it Ron Truth Killings? Will Vince Russo, for the first time in his life, go against an NWA ruling? So many questions. And hopefully tonight we get some answers. Dallas, how are you feeling about this controversy? Man, I've been thinking about it all week. I mean, for the two for two days. I've been thinking about it for two days since the pay-per-view. Who who is the NWA champion? Do we really think that Jared is going to lose the title when he is apparently the only known person that anyone knows ever? That could be the NWA champion for TV. I don't know. And um, they better open up. You know, screw it. Open up Impact. Tell us the world champion. You ended the paper. You're saying, you be- tune in to Impact to find out. Okay, I want to find out. I don't want to wait 45 minutes. Or an hour with the commercials. I want to know now. Uh, I feel like you would... I feel like they won't tell us until the end of the show. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they even do it, who knows? Don't even put that into existence, who Bob. Who knows? Do not put that into existence. Uh, the, well, yeah. The, I mean, the second second anniversary show last last episode, and um, it was fun. Uh, Bob didn't really like it. Bob's on no. a, Bob's on like a a, a tyrant recently. And or tirade, excuse me. He is a tyrant, and he and he's um saying all these shows are bad. I didn't think it was that bad, but I do think it was a little bit of a downer for the second I anniversary. I don't know if I'm saying that they're bad. I think when down? I well, when I say thumbs down, it's a mixture of did we accomplish anything? Well, yeah, and I don't think we really did last week, and we really didn't. And then another, so here's. And like I said, like two weeks ago, you bring in, you know, if you're going to bring in somebody and you do it unadvertised, well, you accomplish it. You bring in Jeff Hardy, who hadn't on. been, you haven't been on television in WWE or whatever for like a year and a half for a match with AJ Styles, and I'm sure that a lot of casual viewers or whatever would want to watch that. There's. I'm going to have you hold that thought, Bob, because there's actually a very good reason why they did not advertise that match. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. I don't think there's a good reason. Um, yeah, I think they got a pretty good reason. I don't think if you can't advertise, then don't do it. Especially I mean, if, it, if it was an impact, 
not a problem because I'm not paying ten dollars for it. Well, right. I, I don't disagree with that. But since you're having a you know people pay for your product and you don't advertise for it, number one, you're missing out on money. You know, well, absolutely. And then you're also, I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, you're you're fumbling the bag. Right. And, you know, without, without saying too much, because we're going to talk about it, and I want to kind of talk about the notes and, and kind of the order of the show like we normally do. But uh, I don't think they wanted another um, Hulk Hogan situation where they announced something if you're that telling not me, If you're telling me that this motherfucker two days before was like, oh, my knee hurts, I can't come into the I, show. We'll talk about it in a minute. But you, you, um, but it's an, what's interesting about this is... We had two matches end in no contests. Yeah, and that's another thing. I don't like that. That leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, I think, when you're paying for a show. And it's your double, it's your double, essentially your double main event. Double main event, your two biggest title matches. Right. I mean, that's kind of crappy. But. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, But, oh, it is what it is, I guess. Um, what else happened on that card, though? Uh, we saw America's Most Wanted defend the tag team titles against Miyamoto and Nasawa from Japan. Uh, they, I'm saying from Japan. Or they're from like all Japan. They don't have a team name. They were just together. Uh, I didn't think it was a bad uh, tag team title match, but once again, it was kind of like one of those things where uh, why are these guys getting a tag title match? It kind of feels out of place, and it's just kind of there. But Yeah, it is a random-ass thing. Right. We had yeah, these for- They did uh, the Naturals, right? Attacked them afterwards with lipstick. Yes, yes. And we're seeing that next week on Impact. Or, sorry, on um, the pay-per-view. My apologies. That's right. Uh, which I think at that point you probably should have just done that for your anniversary, but whatever. What do I know? Fine. Uh, we had the first ever ladies stretcher match where Trinity defeated Desire with the debuting Big Vito. That's right. Paisan. Right, he came right out of that ambulance, knocked Desire in the head, and essentially helped Trinity get. He's a former WCW tag team and hardcore champion, so he's got quite the reputation. Dude, that's quite the accolades, man. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about him more as as if he's on the show and stuff. I I mean, I and I like Vito, so I'm kind of curious to see how this works out. Yeah, I'm curious how that because he's definitely associated with the NYC. I would imagine, yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, up until this point, was he doing much before, or like from WCW till now? I'm sure we'll kind of talk about it once we see him again. But was he doing like indie shows and stuff? Do you do you know off the top of your head without looking um, too much? Off the top of my head, no. But I can look that up here in a minute. Yeah, no, I, don't know. I think it's interesting. I don't mind seeing new faces. I don't really remember. He wasn't on the WWE tours. Not that I can think of. No, I'm not, he wasn't on any of the shows we watched. But I mean, they had some of those. Yeah, but see, he would have been on the shows we watched if he was on any of the tours, though. Either. All right, so I'm just on his uh, his cage match, and I'm right now just looking at like promotions that he had worked in. So when WCW went under, he was part of XWF. Okay, that was the only thing I was going to think of that he could have been doing. He he wrestled in Puerto Rico. For uh, uh, World Wrestling Council. That was only one match, though. Uh, and he had one match for the NWA. He okay, was so over he... in Fighting of World Japan Pro Wrestling for 22 matches. Okay, okay. So he did some stuff. 
He he's not going to be too ring rusty if we see him step in the ring. No, and it looks like before. Let me click on it real quick though. It looks like he was over in. No, looks like that's after this. So never mind. So yeah, I guess really even going into 2004, <clears throat> at least according to Cage Match, uh, this is his first like wrestling appearance again. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's quite interesting. Right. Um, so at, then after that stretcher match, we saw a match that felt like it lasted an eternity, I think, uh, where Jerry Lynn defeated Coach Scott Demore, mm. Team Canada. Uh, and for reference, um, at least according to Cage Match, I'm assuming the times are correct. Can you that, hear the people yelling or no? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry. It's That's just okay. they've been yelling all morning. It's driving me nuts. It's been fun. Yeah, I woke up to my uh, neighbors vacuuming their porch at 8 o'clock this morning. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that match, according to these times, is the longest match on the show at 15 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, I mean, you could have you could have told me that was a half hour and I would have said it was longer. Yeah, it was, it was kind of brutal. And I'm but, not blaming Jerry Lynn for that. No, and I, and I don't really, I don't even know if I can blame Demore for that. I think I'm blaming the structure of what they decided to go with. Well, and once again, I, the notes that we're going to be discussing, Dave kind of goes. I feel like this is going to be one of the best um, Dave opinion on the show notes because he he really goes into each match uh, and gets pretty particular with it, and I really like it. Uh, and that match is one that he talks a little bit about. We'll get to that. Uh, then we had the mini lucha uh, special match, I don't know what else we want to call it, uh, where Mascarita Sangrada defeated, I am not. I don't know how to say this guy's name, I didn't know at the show either, Mini Peroth, is that how we say it? Close enough. Okay, sounds good. Um, and then after that, David Young came out and insisted that he was going to beat them, and then D-Ray 3000 came out, then they all piled on top of him, uh, and they counted a pin even though it wasn't official, blah, blah, blah. So David Young was trying to, uh, and they said he does not have a contract. So David Young is technically, quote, not contracted right now because uh, mm-hmm. he's losing so much. He sucks. Uh, and then after that, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy for the X Division title went to a no contest. And then Jeff Jarrett and Ron Killings went to a no contest for the NWA title. Uh, and that match, the main event, went 14 minutes. And so once again, Jerry Lennon did more, got more time than the main event. So... It was a lot. Now, interestingly enough, Dave notes that they got the biggest response in months to the their like ratings for the matches and, and for the show in general, um, which is and it's more than triple the recent response and easily the biggest so far this year. Um, so on that note, Bob, you gave it a thumbs down. I believe I was more in the middle because I, I just in general had like a good time, even though. Reading it back, it sounds like it was it wasn't great. Uh, what do you think that the readers of the Observer thought? Uh, I'm going to say they went with a thumbs up. Well, the majority of them gave it a thumbs down, sixty point nine percent were down. Only twenty point seven percent were thumbs up, and eighteen point five percent were thumbs in the middle. And that, my friends, is what we call vindication. I guess it kind of is. <laughs> 
you know, it, you know, it is what it is. But you got to look though too. Once again, we we just mentioned two your title matches going no contest. Yeah, but dude. you're sitting here going thumbs up, dude. No, I said thumbs in the middle. Thumbs in the middle, but you're like me. But if I had to, it'd be like tilting up. Meanwhile, we had two no contests. We had a fucking forty-five minute Scott Demore Jerry Lynn match. Well, you know, I like, can't change it now, Bob. It's too late. I can't like, change what it. What are you talking about? It's too late. If you know, in the moment, I was feeling good. Letting it marinate, maybe not so much, but it's too late. This is what it is, okay? So just stop. It's the uh, stop. it's it's like what they like to say. It's that after nut clarity. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is. Yeah, I get it. That's how it is for me every time I do this podcast. It's like, oh, this is gonna be great, and then afterwards okay. I just sit there on well, my couch, deflated, like, oh my god, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of going off of that though, uh, Dave notes that the bad news for a show that seemingly did better buy rate than it. Uh, is that it was disappointing. Now, the big question is whether the this in- apparent increase in interest is due to it being labeled the anniversary show, whether it is due to the television kicking in, and that'll be answered still over the next few weeks. Uh, so kind of continuing there, what would, do you think was voted on as the best match of that show? Um, the tag team title match. Yes, it was the tag team title match. And in second place... Jerry Lynn and Scott Amore. As the best? Second place. Oh, mackerel. I mean, the tag team title won by more than double, but still. Yeah, but the fact that it would... Okay. That's... Uh, what do you think was voted on as the worst match? Uh, I'm going to say Demore and Lynn. Nope. Unfortunately, it was the stretcher match, which uh, I, I actually kind of disagree with. I thought that was... Uh, I thought that was fun. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Yeah, no, that was not the worst. And, and with all due respect, Desire is not um, the greatest we've seen in the ring, and I thought that was the best match she's had. Yeah, I can remember. I would agree with that. Um, in second place for she's, the worst. To be fair, she's had like three three matches or something. So. Well, yeah, but I mean, it worked in her favor that it was more. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, but even when we've seen her get physical, you know what I mean? Like, I think this is, the, yeah. I think this was a good showing, and I thought it was fun. And Vito and all that stuff, so. Uh, in second place for the worst match was the ma- main event, Jarrett and Killings. And then in third place was the mini Lucha match. So people just weren't feeling that. Okay, so let's let's dive into this show a bit. And then uh, I got some other notes that are interesting as well. Uh, there might be some people coming back, Bob. Oh, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tease you. You know how you love my teases, Bob. People might be yeah. coming back. And we got some people coming in soon. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, so the show drew an almost full house of 1,250 fans. The estimates from early lines were about 45% paid, which is higher than usual, partially because they added a post-show anniversary party with the wrestlers available to those who, who only to those who have paid. So you get to like hang out with the wrestlers after the show, uh, if you paid for a ticket, which is a, a, kind of a cool little uh, thing. Ooh. I'm sure I'm sure it was like Deary three thousand and David Young, but uh, cool nonetheless. You're telling me that as long as you just bought a ticket, you got to hang out with them. Yeah, it wasn't like an additional thing. Yeah, you just got to if for paid for tickets. So like forty people got to hang out with them. No, four. Hang on. Here we go. Hold on. 
You gotta be you gotta be like this, so I think roughly six hundred and eighty eight people. Alright. That was pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Such an asshole. No, um, well, all right. Well, those people could have hung out with them, but I'm sure like forty people did. Yeah, that's probably more. I mean, really. And I know. If I, if okay. We, if okay. we had gone to that show, holy fuck, we'd be there till one in the morning. You'd be like, hey, I gotta go meet fucking this guy. Let me go meet John McChesney. He was on explosion. <laughs> Great. Okay, dude, I got my limits, man. Come on. B- bullshit. You'd be like, oh no, is that Chris Vaughn over there? Let's go talk to him. Well, yeah, dude, Chris Vaughn. Yeah. Duh. Great. Jesus. Um, the big complaints were booking because huh. uh, both of the top matches, uh, Jarrett Killings and Styles and the debuting Hardy, went off the air without a finish. Uh, Jarrett and Killings were, again, a backdrop for the Jarrett and Vince Russo uh, kind of feud. Yeah. Russo now has interest music, Dave says, and why not since he's the top storyline babyface? I thought this was interesting because as I was reading this, I was like, hasn't he always had music? He's always had theme music. But... Recently, he kind of hasn't. He has only been just walking down to the ring with no music, I think. Well, when he came back, he still had the fuck you thing in like the yeah. music. Yeah, but a lot of the time he doesn't come out to music. I was thinking about that, but it's still regardless. He's, he's had, had music. music. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm not. I think that's a. That's a swing and a miss there. Because, and you know what? And for I the agree. few weeks that he didn't, they might have been just developing the music because that tends to happen too. Right. Or he just came out because he didn't need, like, you don't always need music, whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't always, uh, always need theme music, yeah. Uh, the storyline of the match was that if Jarrett used the guitar, he'd be DQ'd and the title would change hands. Still, Jarrett hid three guitars, two of which were found. Uh, and uh, the Jarrett NWA title match was scripted may be okay to the first-time viewers, but every match with a rough bump has gotten way past old. Uh, and then, of course, uh, as we saw and talked about last week, Jarrett's hidden guitar was underneath the steps, and they ended up... Um, he ended up kind of using that. Because Killen used a low blow and a guitar shot, unseen by Rudy Charles. Got the pin. Now, instead of that celebration, commotion in the ring, other referees coming down, and Russo was telling Rudy Charles about the guitar. Before Russo could make a ruling, Dusty Rhodes came out and told Russo to make a ruling based on your heart, not your head. And then the pay-per-view went off the air. There's nothing more insulting to a viewer who purchased the show for the first time based on curiosity from TV, having paid $9.95, and then the show ends like that. That type of finish is fine for free television, but they don't seem to understand the difference in viewer mentality. Wow. I'm starting to sound like Dave Meltzer. I know, but it's it's fucking true. Yeah, absolutely. It is. So uh, when Jerry Jarrett asked Jeff what the response was to the angle, Jeff told him that it was very negative. And Jerry responded that it shows that wrestling fans don't know anything about booking. In relation to the, like, the Jarrett way- Killings thing? No, I mean I understand what they're doing. They're doing. They're, they're trying to build. Doesn't mean we like it, right? Like they're 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 storytelling here, like to the next show. 
which is fine. And maybe ideally you'll get more people to watch your television show. But here's the thing. Not as many people are watching the pay-per-view as they are television. So people who tune into television are going to be like, what the hell happened here? So there better be a video package that explains all this to then have your payoff be on your television. These, these type of angles work beautifully on television. Cause you're like tune in next week to find out. So you got to wait, like, you know, you're seven days or six days or whatever. And you're just waiting and waiting. This is right. Cool. I haven't invested any money into here. And then you build in, you build that feud to your payoff, which is for the money. Now how their system is where it's, Impact, and then a few days later is a pay-per-view, and then there's a pay-per-view, and then two days later there's Impact. I guess you can't do that. Right. But I, I can see what they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, that's uh, where we're at now. I mean, would I, would, would I go and watch Impact to see, if I bought the show, would I would in turn go watch Impact and be like, I need to know who champion is? Probably. But, but it's still annoying. <laughs> right, but now here's the thing. Okay, I'm I'm sure we're gonna get an explanation. And these are these impact shows are some I have not watched in years, like since it's it, it aired. Yeah, that's crazy. So if you have on the seg- if there's a segment here that has a conclusion to that angle on the show, okay. If you try to drag this out, and on impact. Tonight, here, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this. If they don't announce a champion and they say, tune into fucking the pay-per-view and Russo will have this decision, then you're just like, you, no, you're not going to get my money and then get my time free of money mm-hmm. to then have me spend more money to get a conclusion for that. Right. That's not going to happen. So I'm hoping that they just you know pay off what the controversy is and we move on do not try to drag this out yeah i agree with that totally uh what's worse uh about this whole situation is that it followed the styles and hardy x division match which also had no winner as uh kid cash and dallas attacked both of the men uh hardy agreed to the match on the sunday before the show is this where i'm we're getting the news here yeah, there's there's a bunch. Yeah. So the Sunday before he agreed to it. Yeah, so Sunday before he agreed, after company officials found out that Cash had broken his lower leg. Hardy got an incredible reaction at the show, one of the biggest in company history. And in fact, people there said it was the biggest in the co- or he was the biggest in the company history. The biggest reaction? That's what the no. people who were there said. No way. That did not translate on the fucking screen. I don't think it really did either. Um, I'd have no to, way. I guess, maybe go back and watch, but yeah, I don't really think it did either. I think one of Dusty, when Dusty came the first time, yeah, they went way louder than that. I feel like when Sting first came, too, it was Sting, pretty nuts. Sting, Sting was pretty one. nuts. Yeah, there's there's no way. No way. But yeah, I mean, it, like I said, I mean, people who were there are saying that it was arguably the biggest, the biggest in the company history. Yeah, well, you know what? We went to Rebellion, and we could have said that Rebellion had the biggest attendance of all time for a TNA show. It but, might have. But we, but we were there. We were there. Well, like, well, the record showed that no. And now they, well, we were there. 
it was, yeah, we were there though, so it's it was more than like Bound for Glory two thousand nine when it was like you know ten thousand right now. It was the six hundred. <laughs> Jesus, um, they didn't boo, uh, boo AJ Styles, but it was clear once again they saw Hardy, a WWE mid carder, as a real superstar. Right. Uh, Hardy, considered a little guy in the WWE, was way bigger than Styles, considered who is considered a medium sized guy in TNA which only shows the illusion of size and that it's all perspective. Uh, Now, interestingly enough here, uh, Hardy had not trained at all and didn't show much other than that he was in the right place at the right time, or all the time, and style stuff looked good. Hardy wasn't advertised ahead of time because the company was never 100% confident in him coming. Uh, And then he missed two flights the day of the show. Oh, yeah. Now, to his credit, it said here, uh, he was constantly in contact with the office and assured them that he would be there. <laughs> now, now, I'm going to pause there quick because there's another note about this, and then I'm going to continue because there was a backup plan. We'll get to that in just one second. But, right, but I, I have something to say. Here. Okay, go ahead. So, again, the perception here that Jeff Hardy is a superstar, a WWE mid-carter, mm-hmm. is a mid-carter. Is getting a better reaction mm-hmm. than a TNA, I mean, main event guy that AJ was. Yeah, essentially. So the perception here for diehards and even casual fans, if you see, if if you were to have seen a WWE mid Carter beat AJ, which he didn't obviously, but if he had to have, the perception of any like of your TNA guys is just down the tubes. So right. in that sense, the no contest does not bother me. Yeah. Now the main event that's different, but like, hold it for thing. Yeah. You wanna, if anything, AJ probably should just beat him because, by all accounts, it's a one-off. Right. So we're what we're being told at the time. Right. So. Yeah. Um, now that this is a separate note, and then we're gonna go back to where we were talking, but it 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 is about Jeff Hardy. That says his debut was a nail biter uh, since they were afraid that he wouldn't come in, uh, and he was hardly in the shape that they wanted, but he got that incredible reaction. Uh, They are doing a storyline where they are pushing him as the hottest free agent on the market. Not sure if he's signed or not, or if he is, how long he'll last. Uh, The last thing they need is to start pushing a guy and have it turn out to be another Hogan tease. Uh, But Hardy was telling everyone how thrilled he was because of the crowd response and was telling other wrestlers that he was coming in weekly. Hmm. So we'll see about that now. Uh, I'm scrolling back down to my notes here. Because of all this uh, drama that they thought was going to happen, they had a backup plan. And are you ready for this backup plan, Bob? Because if Jeff Hardy was unable to make it to the show. Is it a former WWE guy? No. ECW? No. It's It's much less exciting. Okay. If, If so, Styles would be defending the title against Titus. That's right. Ryan Wilson, under the mask, managed by Johnny Fairplay. Oh, my God. <laughs> However, Johnny Fairplay also missed his flight coming in. So they were even considering a plan C when Hardy then ended up arriving a couple hours before the match was scheduled. Could you imagine <laughs> if we got AJ Styles versus Titus? What? Why? 
Probably because he was there and they didn't know what else to do. Oh, my God. You know, what is I, what makes all this even more surprising is that they're still flying Johnny Fairplay to Tennessee. Yeah, that's a good point. And he doesn't show – he's not on television. That's a really, really great point. Boom. Wow. Uh, Jarrett had spoken at one point with Hardy and talked with him about how he and Styles would tear the house down. But Hardy told them that he was hardly in shape to do it. Uh, and pleased to not expect it. <laughs> Uh, that's why they decided to go only uh, about seven minutes with the match. Uh, they also told them to just do a slow build because they wanted people to see Hardy live, but didn't want them to see Hardy do a lot with the idea that fans should take it as cash screwing up a dream match that was just uh, starting to get going and the heat would be on him instead of the promotion. Oh. Uh, Dave, Dave says, I don't know if it works that way these days. <laughs> I don't think it does at all. No. Uh, also, remember those weird videos we kept seeing throughout the show? Yeah. We could clearly tell it was Jeff Hardy's voice. Oh, yeah. We're kind of teasing him throughout. Uh, so they played a video put together by Jeff, which were way out there, throughout the show to build for his debut as a surprise. It was only a deal for one shot, but because of uh, his name and the reaction, expected that TNA will try to get him to work more dates. So he, he put those videos together himself to kind of build that up, which I thought was kind of fun. Moving on to the Mexican minis match, Dave says, that's a book in itself. Uh, I'm telling you, dude, there's so much fun stuff about this show. Uh, This was a good thing. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, This was a letdown due to timing. They were told that they had 12 minutes. So they started slow to build for some big dives uh, and for all the dives in the final three minutes. So they were, like, working up and apparently were going to do some cool stuff. Well, Jerry Jarrett, who thought they were stinking up the joint, cut the match to eight minutes, and then they went home before doing any of their big spots that they were saving. Uh, They were uh, just a backdrop for comedy for David Young as Mascarita won. But Young beat up both minis and D-Ray 3000. The two minis bit Young on the butt, uh, stunning him for referee Mike Posey to do a high drop kick, which I'd argue got the biggest pop of the entire show. Bigger than Jeff Hardy. Dude, it was huge. Uh, then D-Ray and the minis all jumped on him. Posey counted the pin, theoretically adding three losses to the joke of a losing streak that no one gives a rat's ass about. Now, I do have some more notes about the minis. Uh, I can, it, I, you're, If you're about to talk, I can find them easier, too. So, Well, I'm just kind of surprised that during the match that Jerry would communicate to the referee to cut their time by four minutes because mm-hmm. they were syncing up the joint. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have ever given them 12 minutes to begin with. Right. Not that the, it was bad. It's just not my cup of tea. Right. That type of comedy. No, I agree. Um, I'm also going to hold that note about them because it, it kind of, it's a, I'm going to wait till we get through the show and then we're going to go back to that because it's, there's some other very interesting stuff about that. Oh, so let's finish up this, and then we'll we'll circle back. Uh, Jerry Lynn and Scott Demore was also strange in that they had a, the manager Scott Demore work an even regular match to go 15 minutes and 20 seconds with Jerry Lynn. Uh, they had a psychologically good match, and the crowd was very into it at the end, but seemed long on TV. No shit. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was raving about the match because it was the style of his era. The company wanted. To it worked 50 50, where Demore would look as a threat to win as opposed to playing the chicken shit manager role who would run away and not be a threat to win. 
the match was much longer than planned because the night of timing problems with the show, because the stuff up until this point had all gone short. Huh. So, so that's kind of why, yeah, which kind of makes it makes sense. Um, and then, as we discussed, Big Vito made his debut, costing Desire the Stretcher Match Eternity. Uh, he's a friend of Vince Russo, dating back more than a decade, and he looks to be doing a Tony Soprano gimmick as the head of the NYC. Well, guess what, Bob? He's already rubbed people the wrong way. And Russo, you know said, yeah, and Russo is said to be the only one who wanted him in. Oh, man. So that ain't looking good. His first night in, and he's already pissing people off. I know, that ain't good. Uh, and then our final match to discuss here before we get into some other notes is America's Most Wanted's win over Nasawa and Miyamoto that was voted best. But it was below the level of most America's Most Wanted tag team title matches. Uh, Miyamoto seems to be brainwashed into thinking that a Japanese wrestler has to do the mist-blowing face-painting gimmick in the U.S. as he was far more impressive in all Japan when he wasn't blowing mist and acting like Kabuki. Uh, this match was also cut back in time, although it was because the Japanese went to the finish early. Hmm. So, all pretty interesting. So, it is a collective mistimed stuff, yeah. and we got punished with a 15-minute and 20-second Lindemore match. Yeah, that's correct. Splendid. Yeah, for real. Okay, so, let's, uh, we're going to talk about Mexico. And this relates to the minis and some other stuff that's actually, um, this is pretty interesting. So, Hector Garza gave Antonio Pena his notice after Triple Mania. And after doing the angle where he turned on Latin Lover. And Jarrett was in, involved, I believe, at this as well, we kind of discussed. Um, Garza said in a newspaper interview that he quit because Pena had refused to pay him for his TNA dates. As TNA pays the office for the wrestlers. Garza had told people in TNA that he was one month behind in getting paid, but indicated that he was leaving when he found out that he could earn far more as an independent, particularly adding the two TNA dates per week. Now, Pena is claiming, because Garza is under contract, that he'll sue any promoter who uses him. Garza claims that Pena owes him a few grand. So there's some drama going on. Uh, between AAA, and that is kind of follows through here because Dave also notes that the relationship is in critical condition. It uh, was in critical condition last week, but it apparently seems okay right now. Um, as noted, we just talked about Jer uh, Jeff Jarrett wasn't happy when Antonio Pena didn't bring him in for Triple Mania, but we talked about that in either last episode or the one before. Uh, and in addition, we do we just discussed Hector Garza had told Jarrett that he was leaving. AAA, but he wanted to keep working in TNA. Now, this was going to have political implications because Pena wouldn't be happy if TNA was using someone who quit on him. Jarrett told Garza that he would still use him, though. And then, on the uh, anniversary show, they were scheduled to have the AAA... The, so, this is interesting. The AAA Mascarita Sangrata and Mini Abismo Negro. Okay, so this is a different Masquerita Sangrata than we saw. Uh, because Masquerita didn't have the proper paperwork, AAA told TNA they had Octagoncito as backup. 
Well, the day before, Mascarita got flagged at the airport. Mini Abismo, uh, for whatever reason, then didn't get on the plane. <laughs> then Armando Quintero, who works as the liaison with AAA, kept trying to figure out if they got on the plane and who got on the plane. <laughs> Pena, who TNA had invited to come in for the show, and they wanted him, wanted to take him to see Orlando, had disappeared. As every so often, he disappears for days. Uh, AAA officials kept saying they would call back, and they never did. Finally, at 4.30 p.m., the day before the show, Quintero told AAA office that they needed to let him know what was going on, as by this point, they did know that Mascarita got flagged and Mini Abismo did not get on the plane. He said they were closing the office at 5 p.m., so they had to know. The AAA people said they'd call back before 5 p.m., and they never did. Uh, at 5 p.m., Jeff Jarrett told Quintero to get him two minis from somewhere. So he called the original Mascarita Sangrata, who quit Pena many years ago and works indies, and he and his regular opponent, who we saw, the, I'm going to botch his name again, Perito, 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 Perito? I don't know how to say it, I'm sorry. Uh, and they came in. So the frustration from the TNA side is also because they they bought non-refundable tickets for the AAA minis, uh, that Abyss had yet to also be paid for Triple Mania. So they're screwing their own talent as well at this point. Uh, while TNA was up to date in paying Pena for his guys, although whether they've got the money is another issue. Right. Uh, it was figured when Pena found out about using rival minis, he'd be unhappy, and if they were to use Garza after quitting him. However, when Pena got back in contact, he never said a word about the minis. Garza wasn't booked this week as as the only Mexican scheduled was Abismo Negro booked through Pena. So, a lot of drama, Bob. <laughs> no kidding. I love how Jarrett was like, you got to get me minis from anywhere. Just get me some. Just get me some. That That's funny. Yeah, isn't that wild? That, that whole sequence of stuff is just bizarre. The, the Hector Garza stuff is... I'll, I'll use the word scary because I like seeing him. And it's like, oh, my God, what if what if we don't get to see him because they're getting sued? <laughs> so, like, that was kind of a shock to me. But this happens a lot, I think, in you know, in Mexico. They switch promotions, all that. And I believe it's noted that he is going to be going to, like, EMLL or something like that. I think I saw somewhere else. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Alvarez noted that he would be jumping from AAA to EMLL. So, who who knows? Well, you know what? For me, what is just so confusing is like, just pay the guy the money. All right. And if I'm TNA, I mean, I would think it's a little suspicious that I wouldn't be giving the money to Garza directly, and that I'd be giving it to Pena. Well, think about it this way. It's. It's almost like, I mean, they're charging 15% from the office. Like, you have to book through TNA for your, if you want an independent show with a TNA guy. Similar kind of situation. They're, they're essentially using Pena as, like, an agent to, to book the talent. Yeah, I don't know. So, how Listen, does I, that, I wonder it, how that even works. Like, are you paying TNA the all of the feed directly and then you're just banking on them giving it to the talent 
Well, are you gut, just giving the 15% to TNA and the regular fee or whatever to the talent? My gut says that TNA is then paying them out. But I guess I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I feel like I wouldn't want to do that. I would just give people the money directly that I owe them. Well, yeah, it's kind of fishy, right? Yeah, because like, then you're relying on someone else to complete the transaction. And I would rather not do that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens here if this AAA uh, deal falls falls apart in the coming weeks I'm or months. Sure will. I'm sure. I'm sure. Will. Uh, let's jump over to a uh, Vince Russo interview on his website. Okay. Of course, I'm only pulling out highlights that kind of relate to what we are talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's quite long. And Alvarez even notes at the end that he stopped reading it because he couldn't deal with it anymore. (laughs) Uh, So he said that he was very busy revamping a book that he wrote several years ago and had just recently found a publisher for it. Uh, He was writing it just about the time that he went back to WWE for exactly one week. He says, quote, when I wrote it originally, it just covered WWF and I wanted it to cover WCW and TNA. So he's apparently going to talk about TNA in this book. I don't know if it's one that's come out or not. It doesn't reference what book it is. Uh, he Does said, he have a wrestling book? I thought it was just forgiven. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean it doesn't cover that. Oh, I thought that was just about his like religious background and stuff or whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's some wrestling talk in it. Let's see, Vince or so book. It's coming up, Vince or so Booker T. Oh, well, there's... Uh, see, okay, but this one comes out significantly later. So, so I, it could be. It could still be this. But it's a rope opera, how how WCW killed Vince Russo. I forgot about that one. And you can tell it comes out later because if you look at the cover, Bob, it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick Foley and Sting with him on the cover, which is also <laughs> pretty interesting. Uh, so that actually might be the book more that this is referencing. I would not be shocked if it took literally that much longer for it to come out. Well, that's Although, probably 2009, right? Uh, it looks like it's 2010, actually, is when it comes out. Oh, okay. The, the picture is definitely 2009. But yeah. Although Forgiven comes out in 2005. So maybe there is a little bit in that about... Let's see, but it doesn't say... I mean, on the front, it just says from the former writer, WWF Ron, WCW Nitro. And I feel like at that point, why wouldn't he have also just put TNA on there? But... It doesn't, oh, well, I don't know. It does say stories. So, you know what? It might actually be, oh, yeah. And the, it does mention TNA and about the author. So, Forgiven actually is probably the book that this is referencing. So, pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Um, he goes on to say that he said he was he truly believed that TNA had a chance to compete with WWE, especially now that they got that FSN deal. Uh, He said what wrestling needed today was to try to pick up some brand new casual fans. Quote, the one thing you can't do in the business is insult the intelligence of the viewers. And that's uh, when you're going to when you're going to turn them off. Uh, And Delver says he said, presumably with a straight face. (laughs) Of course, course we don't know. But uh, uh, another cat. He also goes on to say this is another quote. Uh, Another case in point. And we're guilty of this in TNA, you know. Things like throwing powder in someone's eyes during a match. How many fights do you know of real fights? 
where somebody is throwing powder in someone else's eyes. And Alvarez makes a comment that um, there's virtually nothing in wrestling that you see in a real fight and that he should watch like UFC or Pride and see how they're actually like fighting. Right. I mean, anybody watching a wrestling show, you have to know at this point that you're suspending your disbelief. When have you seen a fight between people in real life where they throw somebody into the ropes and they willingly bounce off the ropes (laughs) and run towards the person? Right. It's a momentum. Right. Um, he was asked where uh, WCW would be today if he'd been given full reign with no restriction. I don't even. I don't even want to know what he says. Number one, baby, we'd be back at the mountaintop. Fucking WWE <laughs> would be fucking crashing down, dude, brother, and like we'd be back at the top, dude. No doubt about it. He says, no question, we would have been beating WWF in the ratings. No question. There you go. <laughs> Um, and then Alvarez, sometimes Alvarez comments are funny because like this time he says, this is dipshit speak for it would be in the exact same place it is right now in the grave. <laughs> right, dead. Yeah. Dead. Right. Anyway. Uh, he continued, quote, if they would have allowed me to do what they said they were going to allow me to do, there's no question in my mind we would have turned it around. Unfortunately, you know, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not putting the heat on anybody else. But the truth is, they never allowed me to do what they told me they were going to allow me to do. Uh, For whatever reason, I never had the chance. And like I said, I'm not making excuses. It's history. It's whatever, three, four years ago. But I know with the talent we had there at the time, if the politics wouldn't have been involved to the level or degree that they were, if we would have had the TNA crew with the people working behind the scenes at TNA, and it was that environment there's no question in my mind that we would have turned the tables on the WWF. Uh, he also notes that him finding God is definitely not a work. And then, yeah, uh, Alvarez said, at this point, I, I, I was done. I had to stop reading him. So. Now, if you thought that inter- interview was interesting, you ready for a real interesting one, Bob? Oh, boy, who got interviewed now? Uh, Kid Cash. And Kid Cash, uh, I'm going to read two notes about this because I have a shorter one that Alvarez says, and then Dave kind of goes into more detail. Uh, He went on a a very, very big rant on stranglehold.com last week. Uh, He said that if this was ECW, that he would be working with a broken leg. But he wasn't going to do that for TNA. (laughs) And you'll understand why in just a second. Uh, he, he said that he was upset that there was favoritism for guys like Raven and America's Most Wanted, how some guys got merchandise and others, like him, I assume, did not, and how they weren't allowed to drink in the locker room anymore. He said that he'd asked for his release before and they'd never give it to him, and indicated he'd like to go to WWE. And uh, <laughs> Alfred says, I'd, I'll bet that WWE would be thrilled to have him after listening to this crazy outburst. Now, it gets, uh, it's pretty interesting, and like I said, Dave kind of has a little bit more about it, but um, he, he doesn't mention the broken leg part, so I'm scrolling down here to my notes. Hold on, scroll too far. Okay, so, <clears throat> like I said, Cash did this interview with wrestling radio host Brian Stahl uh, off the air, complaining about the company, which legit got management furious. And I think you can see why, and we'll continue to see why as I read this. 
Uh, he complained about the companies willing to pay big money for former stars like Lex Luger, but not for people who carry the company, as well as the 15% booking fee on his indie dates. He said that he asked TNA for a release, which he apparently did again this past week. Bob Ryder told him that the company is too much invested in him with the merchandise that has yet to be released, like dolls and video games. I prefer the word action figure, but whatever. Uh, as with Conan, it doesn't appear that the company policy right now is to give people releases. Cash, who clearly doesn't understand the lay of the land today, truly thought that if he got a release, that he'd go to SmackDown and get a big push because of his relationship with Paul Heyman, not realizing that Heyman's power is very limited there. He also said that the company favors America's Most Wanted, Styles, and Raven, and he wouldn't be the first person to say that, but it's natural in a company that is largely having to create stars that people will second-guess their choices. And it's hurting morale. There also has to, sorry, there also has to be someone pushed, and others will always feel that they are just as good and not pushed. And the company does bend over backwards for the ones that they push, including helping Styles uh, a makeover and clothes because they want their stars to look like a star, to look like stars. The comments were taped uh, up to the locker room door in Nashville, so everyone saw them. He thought a lot of the wrestlers were supportive of him, and those talked with uh, with were sympathetic toward his views, knowing that he's only making $500 per show, but also felt that he was very lucky that they didn't fire him. Ryder asked him if he said it, and he told Ryder that he did, but this was off the record, and then complained about the normal subjects about or normal subjects being paid more and pushed more. Uh, the main thing I always hear complained about is the more pushing of Jarrett and nobody getting a paycheck in the company that will say one, say that one publicly. So, Kid Cash is pretty pissed. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I was kind of expecting more delusional, not fair statements, but, I mean, what he's saying is pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got some good points, but at the same time, Kid Cash is featured pretty heavily. I don't think that's his problem. It sounds by, I know, I know. It sounds is the money part. The money part, which <laughs> is still, understandable. Yeah, I mean, he's still getting only five hundred dollars. He's yeah. more. He's worth him. He's more than five hundred dollars worth. I think so. I agree. So I, I definitely get that. And in, he makes the example of Lex Luger coming in. He probably got a few grand. Right. Right. All that makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. My my favorite line was the I I would work in ECW with a broken leg, but not for these guys. That's amazing. I love that line. But it's also right. interesting that he said this stuff, um, like he says to Bob Ryder, like, you know, it was um, off the record. Like this wasn't on the the interview, but they like published this stuff anyways. So that's like kind of shitty that he was probably just oh. like bit, bitching to this guy, and then they probably just like were like, oh shit, we got something good, some nice clicks. Right. No, I mean, unless he didn't say off the record. No. He told Bob Ryder it was, so. Oh, you mean yeah. the, to, to the guy. To, to the, the guy. guy. If he's yeah, not, like, true. off the record. No, that's true. That's a good it's point. kind of, like, fair game. Right. Well, we will, uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, I think I only got a couple more things, Bob. A couple more short things. Uh, and then we can get into the show. Which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, there is talk of doing a championship committee to either replace the director of authority position or work with him. 
Uh, and they'd use ex-wrestlers to fill that role, which could include Larry Zbysko and Dusty Rhodes. Shocking. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed. I don't think I don't think you need to add a championship committee to the director of authority. Then now you're just mudding it up. Right. That's like having like WCW at one point had like a commissioner. And then, like, a general man. Or not, like, what show? There was a wrestling show that had, like, a commissioner and then, like, a general manager. And it was like, you guys are the same th- Like, you're the right. same thing. But I'm the commissioner. And it's like, what? what? And it's like, well, I'm the general manager. It's like, okay. I don't... I think it might have been WCW when there was, like, Russo. And then, like, the cat would be like, well, I'm the commissioner. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, Vince Russo like wrote you as the commissioner because you guys have totally pulled back the curtain. We know that you're only the commissioner because Vince Russo, the guy you're feuding with, has written you in as the commissioner. So your power is like worthless. But then they right. would like combat each other. So I can see that happening. This cha- like championship committee thing, and that just it's just a waste. I agree. Okay, so Bob, we got three people, three different notes about people coming in. Okay, well, the way that you're holding up your three fingers means that it's Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candido. Well, one of them's dead already by now, I think, right? No. Okay. Bam 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 Bigelow doesn't die until like 2005 or six. Okay, so one of them's almost dead. The other one's almost dead, and the other one's in the. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying facts. That's ridiculous. And, and one of them that never comes in. One of those people does, does not come to TNA. Maybe Bigelow died in 2007. So. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll tell you what. He lasted a lot longer than I thought. I'm going to be honest I with thought, you. Yeah, I thought he was dead earlier. Because I never heard his name ever. Like, yeah. they, they must have just blackballed him, I guess. But anyway, um, this is a one-time appearance coming up on the July 1st Impact tapings, Bob. So, this is a, so of course, I'm going to say it's a rumor. We don't, I guess we don't really know. Uh, and that's Dennis Rodman. <laughs> uh, Rodman, his people made it clear that he wouldn't wrestle. Uh, he wouldn't do anything where he could get hurt. And it would only be appearing once. And this would be the only date available. Uh, there was a lot of talk about what to do with him. The idea was to do something that would get on Sports Center, similar to Brian Urlacher. But again, while Urlacher got the company uh, some pub, it didn't mean much because it didn't build him coming back for a match. The belief was that Rodman wouldn't take the guitar shot. It was talked about having Rodman hit Jarrett with the guitar, but Jarrett didn't want that because he would never get his revenge back. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Uh-huh. Never get my revenge back on Dennis Rodman. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway... <laughs> I just I the, don't understand the logic here. I'm gonna I'll, I'll um start this that we might we might hear this about this one on the show we're about to watch I don't know, but it looks like Je- Jeff Hammond of Fox Sports Nets totally NASCAR will be joining TNA for the TV show as an announcer starting on July 9th. He was on the pay per view once in the first year and did well. Uh, word has it that he'll be mainly doing features and sitting in to call some matches. 
there have been talks about this deal for about six weeks or more. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I want to hear Jeff Hammond on commentary, but you know what? I don't know. I've never heard it. So I, I guess I've never heard it either. And if he's also like on a show, Fox Sports, not, I think that who knows, they might be able to advertise the show on that totally NASCAR show. I mean, who knows? Hey, I'm gonna be, right. I'm gonna, so there's some, there's some positive, positive stuff for that. I would say. Sure. And, and finally, my last note, I believe, Bob, before we can get into the show, is that they are talking with Ken Shamrock about coming back. Really? Yep, there's no other details. It literally just says that. Wow. You, can you see Shamrock still fitting in here in, in uh, TNA? Um. Yeah, I think I can. I do too. I think he, look, hy- he, hypothetically, if yeah. honestly, I was gonna say if Jarrett ends up being champion, it's a good person for him to face. But honestly, if Killings got it, Killings is the one who took it from Shamrock. Right. Right. I would I rather him come in as a babyface, though. Oh, me too. Me too. Because if Jarrett were to win it, you really don't have. A babyface challenger. But with Ron winning it, you have a bunch of heels. and That's pretty much endless there. So I think if Shamrock were to come in, he's got to be a babyface. Right. I agree. Well, Bob, that's it. That's it for notes. There's one more. I'm saving it for the show because I believe that there is something that's going to be shown on the show that I can reference it with. But it's the only thing I know for sure. So that being said, we don't talk about explosion. We got nothing else to discuss before we get into this impact episode from June 25th, 2004. All right. Now let's get into it. The runtime is 44 minutes and 22 seconds. I'm going to count down from three. And when I say play, that's when you can follow along over on Impact Plus or if it's in your own personal collection. So here we go three, two, one, play. In the wake of the controversial conclusion, talking about waiting the decision of TNA Director of Authority, Vince Russo. And here we go. Now from stage 21, it's total nonstop action wrestling. Here's our intro with the explosion logo. Bob walked away. I got nothing really to say here during this intro. Song's kind of lame. Sorry, guys. You probably aren't going to hear a new intro song on our Impact episodes for a little bit because that's a pretty lame song. Oh, this week on Impact, the phenomenal AJ Styles is teaming with D'Lo to take on Abyss. And Dallas. Okay, so D'Lo and Styles versus Dallas and Abyss. Giving us uh, what's potentially our main event right in the opening of the show. Look at all the fireworks. Might be more fireworks than normal. And we're going to be spotlighting the X Division to kick off the show. JB's in the ring, and here comes a three-man team. Amazing Red, Chris Saban, Elix Skipper, 
prime time. Sorry, we don't call him Elix Skipper anymore. It's prime time. <clears throat> Bob, you missed the announcement of what is potentially a main event. That is D'Lo and AJ teaming up to face Dallas and Abyss. Oh, that's not bad. Nope. Here comes Nasawa, Miyamoto, and I believe Kazarian. Kazarian teaming up with these guys is a bit random, isn't it? Yeah, you think? Just a little bit. What the heck? I don't know if I'd advertise that Nasawa is the Team Japan captain, because Team Japan didn't do very good in the World X Cup. Well, they did it better than Team UK or whatever. What? Yeah, you see, they, they've completely erased the Team UK from, like, existence. Like, yeah. we don't talk about that no more. They never even mentioned them. Oh, so they're talking about, is TNA going to be able to sign Jeff Hardy? You never heard the roof come off. Nice head scissors here by Red Eye Kazarian. They're both dizzy. Yeah, right. Bob, I think we also got some extra pyro in the beginning of the show that you missed. It looked like there was significantly more than normal. Maybe I just, maybe it's an exaggeration, but oh my god. Kazarian just pulled Amazing Red from behind by his neck and then, like, slammed him. Looked like a face buster. How the hell did he have the strength to do that? I have no idea. I mean, I know Red doesn't weigh a lot, but that's still impressive. What the fuck was that? They, I think they just messed up an arm drag out of a wheelbarrow. So then Red just did a spinning heel kick to Nasawa. Hey, it worked. Saban tagged in here with Nasawa. Nasawa going a couple, couple right hands. Whip Saban out of the corner. And then Sabin just kicks him and he runs toward him. Oh. Same oh. drop kick off a springboard. And- pitcher and pitcher. Vince Russo has the NWA title. Okay, he's... Oh. Okay, so Russo is headed in with a conference with Dusty Rhodes. So they haven't talked at all in the last two days. So we have to do it right here on TV. I believe that. Standing hurricane by Saban F- onto Miyamoto after Nasawa had super kicked Saban. It was prime time, and he, uh, Miyamoto just teased the spraying the mist in the skipper's face, and then he hits him with a like a high heel kick. In the belly of belly suplex. Who is this guy, Shane Douglas? <laughs> well, he didn't win with it, dude. It's not. No, it's it's not, not quite the the move. Oh, Kazarian broke that up real quick. Do you feel you like Kazarian is kind of lost in the shuffle now after his title run? Well, when you look at the fact that, like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. It's like as soon as he lost and then he had the rematch and he lost again, they kind of were just like, meh. Yeah. Although, if and you we- think about it, aren't aren't kind of all these guys a little lost? I mean, Primetime and Saban is kind of like, oh, they're team NWA guys. Uh, Speaking of which, though, we forgot to mention that Daniels had returned, too. What the hell was that? Oh, wow, dude, that's right. And actually, Dave didn't even note that, so that's why I even forgot that, too. Daniels did make a return last week. I believe that was after, was it after the... The Moore Lynn. Moore, because they had, like, a big brawl, and then... Yeah. 
Team Canada kind of had the upper hand. That's right. See, or not Steven. Red slipped. I, th- I think he slipped on the springboard there. And he got tossed with a German suplex by Miyamoto. So now they're in control. Masawa's on Miyamoto's shoulders. Is he going for an elevated superplex? Yes. I mean, you know, is, there... is it really elevated? I don't no, know. dude. He look, he could have got higher and probably hurt Redmore if he got on the top rope with him. Yeah, because he would have had the spring too. It's like look at this double team. Now, Michinoku driver. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, he, he lifts him up. If he was on like Big Show's shoulders or something, then yeah, right. Hurt more, but that's where Kazarian gets tagged in. Whoops, right against the ropes, comes back, pop up. Oh, he gets caught in a hurricane rana. Ducks a clothesline by Kazarian. And then Sabin gets tagged in, clotheslines Kazarian, and a back elbow. And he counters, flips him over. And what's he doing? Oh, nice. Over the shoulder like... twisting DDT for a two count. Mike Posey. Look at Mike Posey just wave his arms around. He just keeps... Yeah, he doesn't... Like pointing. Oh, look at that. Saban did a tornado DDT and bounced off of Kazarian. Like, kicked off of him. Yeah. Oh, a DDT-integuri combination is what Tanae's calling it. Sets Nasawa on the top rope so that Elix Skipper can walk the ropes. And he hits it on Nasawa, and the fans love it. It is a great move. Dude, it's so good. Oh. Look at that. Saban diving, springboard diving onto Miyamoto on the floor. Ooh, Red slipped again, dude. What is up with this? He went for that, like, jumping flatliner, and he kind of stopped early and just had to hit him with a flatliner. Yeah. 718. And then a a moonsault to the floor on Kazarian. Now Skipper going for the play of the day. Oh, I thought Nassau was going to counter. Wow, dude. Wow. Prime time getting the pin in this match, I feel like, is pretty big. I feel like they would have was with not, red normally. Yeah, I was not expecting prime time to get a get That's the awesome. I would that. be totally fine with building up Elix Skipper to get, or excuse me, prime time to get an X Division shot. Hell yeah, dude. He like I think what in two thousand three we definitely were like holy shit Elix Skipper's gotten a lot better right prime time baby that's right nice okay when we return Irish Pat Kenny against the alpha male Monty Brown thirty eight million people voted him the most hated villain in the history of CBS Survivor. In seven days, he'll make headlines again. Uh oh. Johnny Fairplay next week. Look, it's like the Fox of the yeah. 20th century. Uh, yeah, 20th century Fox. Okay, so this is actually what my note is about. As Monty Brown uh, makes his entrance here, I will okay. uh, read this. Uh, the decision was made to give Fairplay another shot. So they're going to reintroduce him, maybe as the manager of Titus on that July 2nd show. The idea they are going with is to have him wrestle other reality TV show personalities as a way to get some mainstream pub. Fair play is a heat magnet backstage. And listen to this, Bob. As a rib, he got he said that he got word WWE was interested in Monty Brown. 
Nobody panics since they've signed Brown to a contract, and right now, WWE is kind of leery about even talking with TNA contracted talent so as to not fall into a tampering lawsuit. As here comes Irish Pat Kenny. Uh, not to be stopped from his rib, he then said that WWE is interested in D-Ray 3000 to do another Eugene-like gimmick and apparently said it to Russo. The company then signed D-Ray to a one-year deal, and Fairplay was bragging to friends that he made it all up, which no doubt has to have the wrestling people thrilled with him. Oh, my God. <laughs> what in the world? Um, and I normally would save this for next week, but since we're talking about the same thing, it was noted that when they showed that vignette billing for Fairplay making his debut in Orlando – the reaction of the Orlando crowd was that you could have heard crickets. Wow. So no one gave a shit. Pat Kenny started off this match against Mike Brown with a few arm drags, but now Mountie is uh, bailed the floor. Slingshot cross body by Pat Kenny. I don't know he's if I wearing, like him in the white. I was just going to say, he's wearing all white, so this must be a big, big match room. Well, this is his Impact debut. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't like have, the white on him, to be honest. Have we? I'm sure we have, but is this the first time he's not wearing Simon Diamond gear? Oh, I don't know. That's a really great point. I think I it's. Remember. Oh, my God. Gilberti and Swinger are being shown in their humiliation outfits, the Hawaiian and the, the uh, leprechaun. And you can tell Swinger still is kind of liking it, man. He I think he's digging it. Bro. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Get the camera out of here. <laughs> McTenay goes, do they look any more ridiculous? Oh, that's right, Bob. Next week, we also get the same at the bottom. I like this reminder. Eric Watts versus Abyss, that um, money versus contract match. Mm-hmm. NYC versus Irish Pet Kenny and Sonny Saki in the double or nothing humiliation match. Team Canada versus Sabu and Sanjay Dutt. Oh, I didn't know if we knew that one. So we're, we're getting our entire match card at the bottom of the screen. Amber Christmas most wanted in the naturals. I got a sleeper hold here. Wow. All right, Brown with a drop kick. Showing that he knows Welcome some moves. To the Serengeti. Let's Ooh-wah. go. Oh my god, Bob. Oh my god, I can't believe I did this. I didn't tell you the dark matches. A failure. Oh my god, I feel like a loser. Hold on. I'm usually better about this. I should have done that when you stepped away because I didn't know what to talk about during the intro. Then you would have missed it. I would have been sad. That's okay. Trading punches here. Hold on. We're almost there. Okay, Bob. There was three dark matches, as there tends to be. Two before and one after. Uh, before the show, Shark Boy and D Ray 3000 defeated Glenn Gilberti and Johnny Swinger. And then the Naturals, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens, defeated Mikey Batts and Jarrell Clark. Okay. And then after the show happened, Three Life Crew, Conan, Ron Killings, and BG James, defeated the team of Michael Shane, Chad Collier, and Hot Stuff Hernandez. It's a weird trio. Where yes, was I? Uh, I don't know. Super kick for your bike pack, Kenny. That should be it. Oh, he hooked the wrong leg. And you'll also be glad to know that we are full once again here in the impact zone in Orlando. 850 people. Yeah. In attendance. 
Maya Brown countering. Backbreaker. Oh, oh here we go. Pounce. That should do Devastating. it. Devastating. That's a three. Normally, he's been following up the pounce with the the alpha or is it the the alpha bomb? Is that what he calls it? I would just stick with the pounce. I love the pounce, dude. And in the six sided ring, I feel like it's made for it. Like it's just you don't know which way he's gonna come from. There's different angles you can get. I love it. Well, you know, I like how his finishing. If it if they if they keep with the pounce, I like how his finishing move is essentially a football tackle. Right. Coming up next. America's Most Wanted versus Team Canada up next. We're 14 minutes and 34 seconds into the show. Which members of Team Canada are we going to see, though? I'm going to see Bobby Roode and Eric Young. Well, it looks like you might. Well, they could all be out there, I guess. Oh, no. It's Petey Williams. It's Bobby Roode. There's the coach. That's right. Team Petey Williams is the team captain. I feel like I keep on forgetting that he's the captain. Me too. I think it's kind of a a weird choice. Oh, they're cutting off their entrance. We find the defendants guilty. <laughs> fuck, fuck them. We got two tunnels. We can come out different ways. I'll come out with the flags again. Yeah. Are you pyro? Um, no, guess not. That's unfortunate. Guilty. <laughs> they are not wearing their white gear. They're wearing their blue gear tonight. Their song just not, keeps going. Guilty. This is not for the titles, right? I don't think so. I think they would have told us that if that was the case. Poor them having to use American flags as their entrance gear since they got it stolen by the naturals. Yes, they have lipstick and makeup on them. How embarrassing to have makeup be put on your face. It's only embarrassing if you allow it to be embarrassing. That's a fair point. They should have just embraced it. And they came out tonight with lipstick on. And he'd be like, I, Andy Douglas Magenta is my color. <laughs> so we're, we're noting that they're going to be staying on top of the controversy about the NWA title. We are going to be hearing about it at some point tonight. Just a matter of when. I can't there's, wait. There's only uh, 27 minutes and 30 seconds left in the show. So. No, we'll find out soon. Storm immediately just clotheslines Petey Williams. That's how they start. No lockup. Just runs after him, clotheslines him. Twists his arm, chops him. I like that. Not every match needs to start off with a lockup. I agree. Harris comes in, elbows over Petey's little arm. Petey looks so small compared to Chris Harris. Yeah, he does. Harris whips Petey, but Bobby Roode just tagged. I heard it. He's behind Harris, comes in. Left arm lariat. Oh, How can you ever prepare for a left arm lariat? Exactly. Shane Douglas is standing outside of the director of authority's office trying to get a word 
He's trying to listen in. You know, it's kind of funny how, like, nine months ago, this guy was scalping other guys on the roster. Now he's a backstage backstage interviewer. I know. It is kind of funny when you think about it. I don't mind it, though. I feel like he actually does it. He kind of, it, like, oddly fits. Yeah. Oh, only gets a two count off that stalling vertical suplex. I'm Bobby Roode, by the way. Now Petey's tagged in. Arm drag takedown by the Wildcat. But here comes James Storm. They don't even mention Wildcat as a former like challenger to the title. Storm with hit a top rope clothesline after uh, Harris was holding PD. Now they're double teaming Team Canada. Double hip toss. Oh, turn oh. into. Oh, are they going to throw him in? Yes. They toss. Into that move in a while. They toss PD into Bobby Roode groin first. <laughs> Scott Demore's like, are, are your nads okay, bro? Oh, Demore's getting up on the apron. Distracting Mike Posey. Storm went after him. Wait. We're getting word. We have to take a commercial break. But don't worry. The tape machines will be rolling. Just keep an eye on the action. And we're about seven minutes, or sorry, three minutes in the match, seven minutes left, and we go to commercial. Yeah. So I looked at it. It was at 6.59 when we went to commercial. If we come back and it's at 6.59, I'm going to be pet. Oh. Wow. That was a long commercial break. Yeah. But I bet you he's in this arm hold that entire two and a half minutes. <laughs> oh, well, no, look, while we were away. Oh. A little sunset flip by Petey. Roll through and a basement drop kick. That was it. <laughs> Two and a half minutes. Oh, after that. Yeah, Team Canada has turned this matchup into their favor. Working on the leg of the Tennessee Cowboy. What are they chanting? You're a midget? Oh, my God. They're chanting that to Petey Williams. Poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you're right. As soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, that is what they're saying. Storm just powerbombed Petey out of the corner to counter a springboard attempt. Now he's trying so desperately and dramatically attacking Chris Harris. He gets there. Here comes Chris Harris. Left hand. Another left-handed Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode and Harris should be tag team. They're both left-handed. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, his left-handed Lariat. Paul Nelson slam. Down goes Roode. One, two. No, Roode kicks out at two. Look at this. Oh, Larry Zabisco, dude. He's here. What the hell is he doing? For what? Oh, if he goes to a draw? Oh. Oh, so he's our judge this week. They were going for the death sentence, but Petey Williams cut off Harris. And then he decks Storm as well. But oh, Storm's coming over to help. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Storm's got Petey on his show. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Doom. Like, everyone's standing up. Like, Tyler wow. Doom. Look at that. All four men are just knocked out. Can we see that again? Guys in the truck. 
Keep in that drop. Okay, well, guys, we are. Hold on one second. One, two minutes left in the match. <laughs> this is so dangerous. The crowd loved it. Double clothesline by, I believe, Bobby Roode and James Storm. Yep. Who is going to prevail in this match? Can the tag champions oh, fight off? Canadian Destroyer? No. Pete is supposed to land on his feet, I feel like, right there. Sure. Oh, shit. Spear. Huge spear. Power, Power slam by Rude. One, two. No. We're running out of time here. I have a weird feeling, dude, that we might be getting a uh, time limit draw on this one. Rude tries for a tornado DDT, but gets landed on the apron and super kicked to the floor by Storm. Storm with a slingshot cross body takes out Rude. Oh, wheelbarrow. Oh, Harris uh, caught him. He slams PD William down. Oh, he's going to hit it. Wait a second. Oh, but, shit. The naturals. Oh, the powder in a chair. The damn powder that we never see in fights. I know. <laughs> One. Whoa. Wow. Mike Posey slides back in the ring. PD Williams pins Chris Harris. The NWA tag champs just lost. Non-title. The Naturals are signaling they're gonna come they're gonna win the titles. I wouldn't be surprised, dude. Wow. Okay, what is the decision? I don't think I was expecting Team Canada to actually win. There was only like 40 seconds left in the match, too. I know. Well, we're back from a controversial past. He's drastically changed his approach since accepting his role as director of authority. Oh, boy, we're getting like a Vince Russo like package now. From the bottom of my heart, I've been forgiven. Just like his book coming out next year. He's proven to be strong-willed in the face of adversity. Can you believe this, Bob? We're so lucky to have a director of authority like this. He's a legend. He's a role model. What's this? They're playing trumpets in the ring? Oh, they're playing the NWA theme. Jeff again. Ladies and gentlemen, kids of all ages. Degeneration. Probably <laughs> brings me. A man, a myth, and a legend. Oh, he single-handedly reinvented the wrestling business, continues to defy the odds on a weekly basis. He is the talk of the town, the man of the moment, and yes, the king of the mountain. Your hero and mine. No one. The only Jeff Jarrett. They probably just hyped the crowd up so bad just to be like, uh, it's Jeff Jarrett. Uh, it's just Jeff. God, I hate this fucking outfit.
He does not have the title with him. Russo still has. No, yeah, that's correct. I'm looking forward in a, in a few months. There's a there's a um, an outfit that Jeff Jarrett wears in a promo package, maybe with two other men, that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Come on, Jarrett, walk faster. Maybe I'm gonna hate it in context, Bob, but we'll see. We'll we'll get there. A couple months. A couple of months indeed. Look at the Jeff Jarrett guitar sign in the crowd. <laughs> okay, Jarrett's in the ring. We get it. Come on, you're literally wasting TV time. There it is. That's a better view of it. Thank you. Last week on Impact, Vince Russo said that if a guitar was going to be used in the world title match at TNA's two-year anniversary, there would be an immediate disqualification. But as Bob noted, we believe that he said Jeff Jarrett, if Jeff Jarrett uses it. It was specifically Jeff Jarrett. And the thing is, in TNA, I feel like specifically, you really got to pay attention to those details. Yeah, you really do. So he wants the world title back now. He does not want to wait. He wants it back now. Is this Russo's That's song? not Russo's music, is it? Oh, no, it's fucking Larry Zabisco. What the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> Zabisco coming out to this music? I like the music, but I, we've heard it before. I can't remember whose it is. Is Sabisco about to take a guitar shot here, or what? Uh, yeah, he definitely is. He has Why don't you just shut up? Jared's basically like, I don't want to see you anywhere. I don't care if you are the living legend. Oh, my God. He said, you sound like my wife about whining and tells him to shut up again. <laughs> this is my ring. I'm the world champion. I'm the king of the mountain. And this is my world. Now get out of it. And go back right now and get me my world title. You don't want me to leave because I got a message for you. He just left the room. With it. Dusty Rhodes, Vince Russo. And they want him to relay the message. He said, you will get. Oh, no. Oh, he said, you will get their decision this Wednesday on pay-per-view. The crowd boos. Oh, oh Bob, your, uh, your worst feeling is coming true here. Wow. I don't know how. I don't understand how you could think this is a good idea. I uh, I don't know. Okay, so I, they're gonna find out what it is. Oh shit! See, I knew it. As he's talking, pointing to the crowd on the other side, he fucking got wailed with the guitar. 
And here comes three life crews, Conan and BG James. There's Ron Killings. The Rolling Thunder clothesline. Truth, springboard drop kick. Or was it off the top? Maybe it was a spring or a missile, like you said. Oh, mercenaries. Hernandez, Chad Collier. No Onyx. No Onyx. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I'm kind of glad we're at least seeing these guys again. I thought they were kind of done in this this role of the mercenaries. The elite guard. I like, I like Onyx. Jarrett's using the broken guitar to break it further, because only, like, the back was broke off. Yeah. That's so stupid. Coming up next, see what happened when Jeff Jarrett attacked Hulk Hogan. Well, we've already lived that. Well, we're seeing these two-year flashbacks. That's what this is, so... Yeah, brother, I never won the NWA title. And then I decided to fuck it up, so I'm never going to win the NWA title. Because <laughs> if you think about it, he would have fucking won it. Oh, yeah, he would have. So he really fucked that up. Jimmy Hart gets thrown. Yeah, guys, remember when we saw this? This was good shit. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. Although this was weird time, because wasn't Jarrett a face in TNA when he did this? I can't remember. Uh, he was definitely, I think he technically was. And this is like the, the beginning of the heel turn. Yeah. But I think it was like kind of played off like he's defending TNA. So that's why right. he, and then he did it. He hadn't even beaten Look at this though, Bob. Like, Black and white because we're on Fox. Can't show the blood. That's funny. Flashback. Okay, that wasn't as pain. I thought we were going to see a way longer version of that. So. <laughs> Stage 21. Listen, I know that AEW, when they tape dark, they're not going to get... They're not going to, like, fill it ridiculously, but they should do a cooler setup. You don't Look how cool... I guess I don't know how many people are there now, but it usually looks pretty pretty light. It does. Is it the same studio? I think it is. I'll check. Well, look at we haven't heard from Hulk Hogan since. <laughs> nice little dig there. Yeah. That was funny. He's been gone. Never to be seen from again. That's just brutal. How can you hype it up as being like, oh, You'll get your answer on Impact, and on Impact, you're like, nah, you got to go to Wednesday now. Right. Okay, so it is. It's the same exact stage that we were watching okay. from the Impact Zone is where Dark is taped, which I think is just the coolest shit. Yeah. Uh, they also, this is the same one that WCW Pro and WCW Worldwide were in. They occasionally tape Saturday night as well. Really? Um, and also, XWF also tapes several matches in Soundstage 21. So this Soundstage is just made for wrestling. It sure is, if all that's happened there. Yeah, isn't oh, that wild? Crazy. I mean, that's just, that's crazy to me. That's really nuts, because the Worldwides, they also had like a, a smaller audience. So they must have condensed it. Right. 
which I don't know why you would do that. You could get 800 people in there. Well, it, according... Oh, hold on. Oh, that's a different soundstage. Let's talk about something else. So they're, we're seeing a throwback to the Jeff Hardy um, uh, video. See you in the future. Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Modest to the top. It's not even... Are they showing... Oh, I guess they are showing how. Yeah, it. they're showing the over, different camera angles of the same moves from his match with AJ. Remember at the end, yeah, he threw the sign up in Styles' face. He pushes it away. I Jeff feel like Hardy. if they're having, if they're showing footage of this on Impact, that they're actively going to try to get this guy signed. Right. Coming up next, the Dream Team, D'Lo and Styles. Against Dallas and Abyss. Dallas and Abyss is an interesting tag to me. Right. Is Goldilocks going to be with them? I feel like she will be. Yeah, there's the briefcase. Okay, is it crazy that I keep... This is sounds so stupid. I keep forgetting Abyss is wearing the black, and it just looks so much better, because, you know... I, at the time of this recording, we're still posting, and he's still wearing blue on our our social media pages at Cross the Line TNA over on Twitter, TNA Cross the Line Pod on Facebook. Because we're still in like early May with those posts, <laughs> so it's like weird. And I'm like, oh, he's wearing black. <laughs> yeah. And Dale's with the backwards hat. What the fuck is with the backwards <laughs> hat? That is funny. Oh, I don't like that. No, what? No. Yo, girl, don't think I take that off. That is odd, man. That's like when Ultimate oh. Warrior came out on Raw. Uh, they just briefly ma- mentioned Jeff Hammond. Sure did. So I'm glad that I didn't save it for the show because I almost missed that. And then that would have been an awkward note to just be like, oh, guys, by the way. D'Lo Brown. I don't even know if I really realized D'Lo Brown before, you know, had an impact appearance before 2013. This is kind of cool. What? Okay. Now remember, these guys back in 2003 had five matches. They went 5-0, and oh, and they broke up saying they would never team up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Then yeah, but then they've teamed even since then. They didn't did? They? I thought maybe they did. Maybe I'm wrong. I can try. I can look it up. I, I try to try to look it up. Dallas and Styles brawling on the outside. That girl looks terrified. Yeah, she's like, "What do I do? Do I just slowly walk by?" Biss is in the ring with uh, D'Lo. We're at thirty-six minutes, fifty-two seconds. Wow, Biss missing like a Bronco Buster splash over the middle rope. You said that was in like two thousand three. They they've finally decided yeah. to split ways. Do you remember when? Well, you know what, though? It looks like they... they I think they split in, Ju- in June, didn't they? Oh, then, yeah, they teamed since. Yeah, because D'Lo and Styles fought on July 9th for the title, where Styles retained. And they don't team again until... As D'Lo slams Styles down on Abyss. 
Uh, it looks like they team up again on December 10th, 2003, to take on Jarrett and Kid Cash. And then also they team up to face Swinger and Diamond and their winner gets their wish match oh, on yeah. December 17th. And I don't think they have in 2004 yet. So this might be the first time in 2004 they're teaming up. So they reconcile pretty quick. Yeah. And of course, Dilo is wearing his All Japan gear. Oh. Styles did a springboard double clothesline, and neither man even dropped a knee. But here comes Dilo. He gets him down. Yeah. They were staggered. You got to put over the former WWE wrestler. He he knocked him down, but AJ's not big enough to. Well. Right? Yeah. I mean. Probably. Love that impact shirt Dilo's got on, though. Just saying. If you have that, shoot us a DM. Or size medium. Of course. The biscuit splashed by Dilo and AJ in the core. Now he's winding up. Oh. Wait a second. Goldilocks. Goldie. Oh, Dilo's pulling Goldilocks on the apron, but don't worry. Abyss splashed him. <laughs> she yelled to the referee, that hurt! Because Andrew Thomas is telling her to get down. Abyss and Dale's double slam. Just slamming Dilo down. They just literally dropped him. Double press slam down the mat. Just fucking drops him. I'm assuming somebody's mowing near me. Oh, can you hear that? A little bit. Okay, then here, let me do like... When I talk, I'll unmute like that. Okay. I bet you that you forget to unmute, and you're just going to be like... Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, I definitely will. Is, is Goldilocks is cheering Abyss along with the fucking briefcase in hand. Come on, Abyss! Devo getting choked over the middle rope. Grinding his head into the middle rope as Don West says. And here comes Dallas. This match is like, I just, I, I feel like I'm like, da- obviously Dallas like attacks Styles and Delos like trying to help him out and all, but like this match just feels so random right now. Well, there's no real connection for Abyss to be. I think it's Abyss. I think Abyss is throwing me off. Even Delos sort of throwing me off a little because like, once again, like you said, I mean, these guys don't really team that often. Did he save him last week? I don't. I think it did. I don't think he did. For the uh, last episode? No, he did. I, I think he did for the cash and... Didn't he come out with, like, with Jeff Hardy and stuff like that? That segment? You know, he might have. I'm just having a blank. Uh, Let me check my favorite wrestling resource website, WrestlingRecaps.com. I love it. Uh, D'Lo just did, like, a Shining Wizard um, to Dallas. And now he is trying to find his way to the corner. Which, unfortunately, for Dilo, there's six of them now instead of just four. So can he figure it out? I don't know. Here comes the best. He's figured it out, though. Here's AJ. He gets the hot tag. Off the ropes. Head scissors. Takedown. Kick to the side. Chop. Forearm. Now he's just flailing away. This counters. Float over here by AJ. Just running the ropes. Holds onto the ropes, then taunts AJ, and then he gets met with a spinning heel kick to the face. Out of nowhere, the kick. 
Dallas has tagged himself in, unbeknownst to AJ, but AJ still just drop kicks him after getting lifted into the air by Abyss. Yeah, it doesn't look like he did. All right, well, then I lied. Um, also, a fun note is, oh, look at that, springboard forearm by Styles. Bob does not rate the Styles-Jeff Hardy match on WrestlingRecaps.com. He says, I'm not going to rate this because, essentially, it's a bait-and-switch. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, the crowd is hyped for it, but to provide a cheap finish is a major disappointment and deflate the crowd, it felt like. I'm sure this will lead to a tag match at some point. Don't book matches if you can't have a finish to them. There you go. We just got a sky-high neckbreaker combo onto Dallas, and that did not get the win. It got a two-count. Knocks Abyss off the apron. Oh. oh, he caught AJ goes for like a twisting dive, got caught, and then Abyss ran him into the post back. Yeah, yeah he just, Abyss just fucked him up after that one. Yeah, that did not feel good. Adilo! Suicide dive. Jeez. Okay. Right on Abyss. Holy crap. Here comes Dallas is waiting. AJ gets up going for a choke slam. I'm gonna look, kill look you. Look at his face. I'm gonna fuck you up. Pops him up for the choke slam. Goes rolls through. Cover. Three count. Got him with a hurricane rana roll up. For the W. Oh shit. Oh man. He's attacking D'Lo. And Abyss is helping him anyway. Remember, Abyss and Monty Brown, they're kind of like little buddies. Oh, pounce! Pounce. Kid Cash is out here. Yeah, you don't get your release. So you got to go out and fight. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Moneymaker. Oh, with a broken fibula. Dude, how is he doing? Like, he keeps... It must not be that bad. I mean, this dude's running out and doing all this crazy shit like this. If it was ECW, he'd be working on it, brother. He'd be working. I mean, he kind of still is. So Kid Cash just keeps hitting his face. Fuck you, AJ Styles. Fuck you, AJ Styles. And then Abyss has got the chain. D'Lo's neck. Choking D'Lo with it. Dude, is it going to... Are they going to bring him out? Come on, it is. Come on. They got to, right? Oh, the heels are just going to be down. Really? See you next week on Fox and next Wednesday on pay-per-view. Really? Oh, wow. I can't believe we just went off the air like that. Okay. Well, what do you think, Bob? Uh, I'm going to continue my trend of good shows here for Impact. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I did, too. Uh, I think the only disappointment is is really that we have to fucking wait for the, the, the pay-per-view for the title thing. I mean, come on. Uh, that's, that's what are they doing, man? That is, that is frustrating because I'll tell you right now, based off of what we know for the card on Wednesday, I don't know if I'm buying it. I don't know if I'm dishing out $10. And considering how frustrated I probably would be, I wouldn't be given $10 to find out who the champion is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, what, you know, what we know, we know America's Most Wanted and the Naturals. I think that's a pretty big match. I mean, we've kind of been building for that for a while. Yeah. Well, the Watson Abyss contract and um, money. B- uh, building for a while, do I really care? Not really. Uh, the, that, the, what do they call it? Double or nothing humiliation where Pat Kenny and Siaki are fighting the New York connection once again. 
Monty Brown and D'Lo Brown, Sabu and Dutt versus Team Canada. That's what we know kind of going into next week's show. Right. Will we see Jeff Hardy again? I don't know. I doubt they're, it. They're trying to sign him. They're saying they're trying. Yeah, I doubt it, though. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the next time that Jeff Hardy is on the weekly pay-per-views is the time that they promote him on Impact. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. They probably should. You have to. I mean, what's the point? I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't sound great, but I don't think it sounds like a bad show, but I see where you're coming from. I mean, we kind of got screwed twice now <laughs> with the, the world title. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Um, so I kind of, I get that. And then it's kind of a bummer that that's the way that we have to look at that show, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, well, yeah. I'll hey. look forward to it for the sake of this podcast, but I'm glad I'm not spending $10 on it. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know what? I totally agree with that. And uh, at least we had a good episode of Impact. Because that always makes me happier. That's how you start off a good day. You got to look at the positive. Exactly. And the positive is that you guys just enjoyed an excellent edition of Impact. An excellent 44 minutes and some change. And another hour of us talking about random shit. So... All right. Well, Dallas, it's that time. It's time it's for that us. Time, it's that time. It's that time for us to move along. Join us for our next episode, where we will finally, hopefully, find out who the hell the NWA World Champion is. Will it be Jeff Jarrett? Will it be Ron Callis? Will there be a tournament? Who knows? You never know in the land of oh, NWA no. TNA. But we'll find out not. our ne- next episode. Until then. For Dallas Greeley, I am Bob Brown Jr., and this has been the TNA Crossline Podcast. We find the defendants guilty!
Kill Team!